so yeah, uh, fire Meyer hashtag. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. The season is hotting up. We're closing in on the playoffs. Teams are flying high. Teams are flying low. Teams are being found out, and some teams just really suck quite badly. Um, so we've got a lot of things to get through uh, this week. Uh, once again, you may notice that this is not the voice of Connor. Connor is still dealing with various house-related shenanigans. Um, unfortunately, it's very difficult to host a podcast when you have builders in your house banging on walls and the such like. Uh, so for today, it's just myself, Sean. I also have with me Ronan. Hello. How are things, Ronan? How are things in Cork? Good. Cork. Yes. Yeah, Cork by. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not long for Cork. I'll be heading back to the homestead, back to Cavan, Cavan, uh, pretty soon, and then spending about a couple of weeks there, uh, probably just spending too much time on the internet taking advantage of the various like tv subscriptions that they have netflix whatever uh, and stuff like that so yeah looking forward to that it's just a seven hour journey or so in between me and then <laughs> but i have a seven decent amount of patience hours, yeah but uh, yeah i think connor also had car problems so he's really racking them up at the moment uh so he's somehow getting away with that and like to be honest in terms of the lots of teams involved in the playoffs i'm kind of like there are too many playoff teams uh, eliminate at least three I am not a crank. <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly the seventh seed is really complicating things now. We, back in the good old days of the sixth seed, we could count some of these teams out, but uh, mm. we can't. Um, yeah, for myself, not much news. Finished the Christmas shopping last week or yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, I'm clear and free for the the next few days to celebrate Christmas. Um, not 100% certain about plans yet. My fiance's works in a... Doctor in hospital, which means uh, lots of long hours and uncertainty about availability. So we'll have to see how things go. Um, but yeah, generally, slowly getting into the Christmas mood. I'm not much of a Christmas person, but it's beginning to infect me very slowly. Um, hopefully not too bad. Um, so yeah, all good here. So let's get into it. Uh, we begin with uh, news. The, there's one big story at the moment. Um, potential ramifications for Sunday we may see cancel games potentially our teams forfeiting who knows so 60 players or more than 60 players have tested positive for COVID um, this week um, it's one of many COVID outbreaks in professional sports uh, Premier League fans will also be uh, wondering what the hell is going on in terms of the NFL we have major outbreaks in Cleveland 14 players including quarterback Baker Mayfield and the LA Rams 13 players including former uh, Cleveland Brown, uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. That's his best work um, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a pretty bad situation. Unsure what's going to happen with regards to the, the Browns and the Rams games at the weekend. Uh, the NFL uh, are requiring all Tier 1 and Tier 2 staff to get a vaccine booster, which sounds like a very good idea um, all around. So this is probably the first kind of major COVID outbreak we've had this year. We had a, quite a few last year, so we're a little bit used to it. But this is this is the first kind of sign of COVID chaos, I guess, we're getting this year. Yeah, like, obviously, this kind of brings back a lot of memories from last year where, you, you know, you had moot games moved around for the Tennessee Titans in particular. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of, obviously, with the new Omicron variant, I'm not sure that's what's... Uh, uh, 
a case here. Obviously, I think right now, officially, the US is still mostly the Delta situation. It's just there's been a lot of socialization. I suppose Thanksgiving was only a few weeks ago, so perhaps related to that. Uh, and there's just been a bunch of players getting COVID at the moment, and it's leading to huge uncertainty around what teams are going to do. And the most affected team by far is the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, your quarter, starting quarterback, that's a bit of an issue. Um, like Case Keenum's a pretty good backup, so you know it's not a complete d- disaster necessarily, and Baker hasn't been playing that well, but you know, anytime you lose your quarterback, you know, you gotta have major questions. But they've also lost a bunch of starters from their defense, like Troy Hill, John Johnson, Malik McDowell, and like one of the you know, their starting uh, wide receiver Jarvis Landry, probably their only like kind of wide receiver one type talent. So like the Browns right now in a lot of trouble. They're actually playing on Saturday, so even less time to try and get back. Um, you have to get two negative tests and be asymptomatic before you get back. That's a lot to expect um, in the limited time period available to us. Like we're recording here on a on Wednesday, uh, so I would be surprised if any more than maybe a handful of these guys can actually get back. But I'm sure Baker, given his reaction on the sideline this week when they try to take him off, is, is trying to, you know, he'll probably disguise himself, whatever like that. And then for, like, the Rams and the other team, but they're, in terms of the players affected, like uh, Daryl Henderson and OBJ are probably the two big ones, but they are they haven't quite cut into the kind of the, the, the deep tissue mostly of their uh, roster and that they uh, should be okay mostly, uh, I would imagine. But they have an interesting matchup with the Seahawks. So right now there are uh, seven teams in the enhanced COVID protocols, the Browns, the Bears, the Falcons, the Lions, the Rams, the Vikings and the Washington team. Um, I think the only other notable one from the rest of the teams is that Washington's, uh, in theory, backup quarterback Kyle Allen has, has COVID and he possibly was going to play because Tyler Heineken is playing their starter is dealing with an injury so uh, something to keep an eye on there but yeah we'll see how many more players get this because like when we say this week we mean literally just since the last set of games so since Monday so and we know that COVID is an exponential type of phenomenon so this could get way way more complicated before um, things get any simpler so yeah I think the NFL will uh, right now is getting staff to get the booster dose I imagine um, the players will be strongly encouraged to get the booster dose and we'll see if this subsides but yeah certainly a lot of uncertainty around week 15's uh, results I imagine that the NFL will probably force these teams to play uh, if they can avoid it um, but uh, I think you know if the decision is between forfeiting or putting out like a an Ironman team with 11 guys on both <laughs> sides of the ball um, then I think most teams will probably opt to just play uh, and just see what happens uh, but yeah it's pretty chaotic uh, for what's been a pretty chaotic year in general in the NFL. Yeah, that was my follow-up question is to, is to what point do we think there's a possibility of cancellations? I mean, we know from last year, I mean, the Broncos were forced to play without a quarterback in one of their games. Um, the NFL, notorious, I mean, all the f- famous weather games, notorious for trying to plow through regardless um, of conditions or players. And it's going to be interesting to see if we do get to a, kind of an inflection point where the Browns maybe literally have 20 players um, that are available or something, or, or have less than, say, 22, where are less than 11 on both sides of the ball, and they are in a situation where sporting integrity starts to become a question. Um, as with you, I, I kind of suspect the NFL will push this as far as it goes, but it will be interesting to see if it really gets to the to the wire and suddenly it's like this is a farce um, if you force them to play, especially since the Browns are very much in playoff contention and to force them to play a game where if they lose their season is, is almost effectively over is, yeah, is 
there so, would be question marks over that i would think culturally the us is over COVID. like even with this omicron <laughs> uh, variant on the horizon it just seems like they're not culturally in the us in general going to do a shutdown unless you know the truly spectacular numbers of deaths and hospitalizations hit again um which is possible but obviously they'll kind of wait until that actually happens which we know at that point it's too late to do anything about it but culturally uh, that i would imagine that the nfl and the nflpa are talking about perhaps um maybe even loosening things up to some extent but uh, like the the john mara the giants owner was already saying it seems like it's never going away and that kind of fateless perspective kind of indicates that they're kind of going like for people who are asymptomatic do we really need to do this or what what do we need to do here but like obviously personally speaking i think that's incredibly dumb but you know that's where the u.s is right now it feels like on the whole COVID thing it's a bit of a contrast over here with europe uh, where places are getting shut down pretty quickly yeah i mean it is it is i mean think people are generally sick of COVID. i think and i think there is a i think even here in europe we're not too far away from being a kind of widespread resistance to more lockdown stuff but certainly in america is yeah the land of freedom and liberty etc etc it's uh yeah these guys i mean yeah they, they will push it as far as it will go and it's going to be interesting to see so one to keep an eye on not just in nfl terms but generally um a lot of developments in terms of this coming in the next week in the next few weeks i imagine as as the omicron variant makes its way uh, around the world um, next piece of news then, uh, transactions. Uh, just one transaction um, to take note. Tennessee have claimed linebacker Zach Cunningham. Um, what's interesting about this is Houston recently released him um, and, and therefore they're going to take a 12.8 million cap hit in 2022 about it, whereas Tennessee only have to play uh, 900 uh, grand uh, for the rest of the season. So interesting from a financial perspective, perhaps not that impactful in terms of uh, personnel. Yeah, uh, he's kind of a you know kind of two down inside linebacker decent against the run pretty rangy but uh not someone who's lived up to his draft status but yeah houston are basically not only have they punted this year but it looks like more likely than not that they are punting uh next year uh in terms of having the complete overhaul that they that they obviously want to make uh, from the previous era uh so yeah houston uh, probably uh <laughs> probably not uh someone to big up for 2022 i know it's early but probably <laughs> But they'll have a bunch of kicks if they get rid of Deshaun Watson, so so maybe they can get the dunk a bit quicker. Yeah, more less a rebuilding year and more a rebuilding generation is what I think the Houston Texans are going to need to get back to. That's the Bill O'Brien kind of, uh, experience, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so injuries now, uh, nothing major, but a couple of ones to keep an eye on. I'll just go through the list and we can kind of talk about the major ones. So two two definite uh, missing games. Uh, running back Cream Hunt of the Cleveland Browns has an ankle. He's week to week and expected to miss week 15, which on top of the COVID situation is obviously a disaster. He's a huge part of uh, that that running back-oriented uh, offense. Dallas's offensive lineman Tyron Smith has an ankle injury. He's out for one to three weeks. Also, a whole bunch of important players who are expected to play but who have injuries that are worth monitoring. Uh, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson has an ankle injury. He obviously missed uh, the second half of the Browns game last week, uh, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers has a, a, a COVID toe or something to do with his toe. It is worsening, <laughs> apparently, although he's playing out of his skin. So maybe it's got these inverse things. The worse the toe gets, the better Rodgers plays out of sheer spite. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen also has a, a toe issue. And, and given the Bills are right on the edge 
um, of playoff viability. That's an interesting one there. As already mentioned, uh, Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke is dealing with a knee injury. Possibilities um, for what Washington will do quarterback-wise if, if everyone they have is unavailable. Pittsburgh's uh, edge rusher TJ Watt has a groin issue, a big part of that Steelers defense. And Chargers running back Austin Eckler has an ankle issue. So all those ones from Lamar to Austin Eckler are expected to play, but obviously... Uh, if they're being listed as injured, this this is obviously something to keep an eye on in terms of you know quality performance or, or people dropping out. Yeah, like look, Kareem Hunt, they're 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 very pessimistic in playing, and I'm sure with all the COVID and this situation with Kareem Hunt, they're they're probably putting Nick Chubb in like a bubble and just like not letting him <laughs> breathe any uh, any <laughs> any air uh, that hasn't been like gone through twenty checks. Uh, he is basically all they have uh, probably this week. We'll talk about that in the previews. And Tyron Smith, like look like. It just feels like the Cowboys only just got back their line to being healthy, and now Tyron Smith is out again. They look like a different team when Tyron Smith and the other guys have been missing. Um, so obviously a bit of a hit for them, and they're obviously kind of they have a lot of division games at the moment, and I think they're safe enough in the division, but they're also going for that number one seed. They're the outside chance now, but uh, maybe they can get it done. And like, look, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I think they'll obviously they're expected to play through them, but obviously they're two players who rely on their. Um, you know their ability to, to use the run as a weapon and obviously if they're slowed down um, they're probably going to be less likely to be effective and given that both of them are basically required to carry their entire team uh, in terms of offensive production it feels like uh, definitely an issue. Aaron Rodgers he just he just mentioned uh, as he does seems to do every week a new thing um, he just said that his toe is worse than it was that it got worse but he is still adamant that he will try to play through it and unless you know he's literally going to lose the toe and even then maybe not um i feel like he he is willing to just play through it all um and heineke as you say is a bit of a quarterback controversy and austin eckler i think he would be a big loss for the chargers but uh, i think they said he could have come back in despite the fact that they seem to put in like three inches of tape over his ankle uh, during the game but uh, they seem confident that he's okay so yeah like look anytime a quarterback goes out it'll have a huge effect but uh, yeah so that's probably why these guys are playing even if uh, if they were maybe a more physical position they wouldn't uh, Lamar Jackson is a quarterback. He will play. <laughs> He's not <running> <laughs> back. Uh, um, Yeah, I mean, especially it's given it's it's so close to the playoffs. Every game is important now. There are no teams which are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs yet. And like basically everybody in the NFL except the Lions and the Texans and the Jags are basically still in contention. So these are big players for big teams missing at important times or potentially hampered at important times. So... Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how things work out in terms of that. Uh, and then the final piece of news, uh, a very sad piece of news, former Denver Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas dies at 33. I believe the cause of death has not yet been confirmed, but a medical issue, I think, is what I what I heard yeah, the last. Related there was to some his, sort of ongoing uh, health issues. Yeah, he had a 2019 vehicle crash. It kind of has affected his health since then, and it seemed to be some medical complication from that. No, no further detail, but I, uh, you know, we probably don't expect further detail. Uh, that's obviously a personal matter yeah. for the family. So, yeah, so the Broncos did a great honour to him in his first snap uh, in the Week 14 game against the Lions. They only fielded 11 men for their first offensive play without the X receiver, which was the position Marius Thomas played. They took the delay of game. The the Lions rejected it, uh, and there were other celebrations uh, at the... 88 on-field marker. So so uh, kind of uh, the Broncos paying their respects um, to um, a, a great talent and I'm sure a, a good person. And uh, be, the world is yeah, sad to see him go. Yeah, like obviously indelibly associated with that uh, Peyton Manna, Manning 
uh, Denver era, where he obviously was among the most productive receivers in the league. Um, as you say, he seems to have been liked by all. Nothing bad to be said about him. And yeah, after an unfortunate an- after an unfortunate injury, um, which I think happened around the time that I think he was mostly on the way out in terms of NFL uh, starter, but he obviously was probably still planning to play at that point, given his age. Um, it just ended up you know, ending his career and now unfortunately uh, caused a, a, a medical incident to happen that, that, that has taken uh, someone away far too young uh, by all accounts. So look, it was very nice to see all the things that the that Denver uh, did uh, in celebration of him. And that first play is obviously, you know, I'm sure it was a lot of emotions at that time. Um, and then, yeah, every time they, they did something, whether it was an interception, which they had a fair few of them, or a turnover or a touchdown, um, they went over to a big 88 that was on the sideline and they, they you know, paid uh, you know, they paid respects. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's always tragic when people die um, in these kind of situations and we only wish the best for his uh, family and friends at this difficult time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, that's the news then, so we'll move on now to the game, or the Week 14 uh, game reviews. So we start then uh, with uh, Buffalo Bills at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-33 uh, in overtime. Um, the Bills almost complete the one-man comeback, 24-3 down at halftime. Uh, Allen goes a bit mad in the second half, 308 yards in total, two touchdowns, an interception, and then also 190 yards and a touchdown in the rush. Gets him into overtime, but yeah, that's when touchdown Tom turns up. Tom uh, had his through his 700th career TD. Uh, so quick after the 601, that that's uh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, to Rashad Perryman to win the game. Tom overall, 363 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Uh, and also a touchdown rushing and 16 yards. Allen was basically alone. He had a couple of nice throws to, to Stefan Diggs, but mostly he was he was kind of doing it all himself, whereas Tom had Leonard Fournette, 132 yards and a touchdown. Godwin had over 100 yards. Evans got 91 in a touchdown. Both of these vaunted defenses kind of waxed and waned. Um, Buffalo loses a game they probably can't afford to lose, and they're now in a bit of a, a hole uh, playoff-wise. Yeah, like, look, like, this is obviously coming off the loss to New England, and obviously you're losing to Tom Brady. This is, uh, for the Bills, a really psychologically devastating sequence of results to have. Um, they get Carolina next week. I'm sure they're hoping to get back on track after that on, before they head up to uh, Foxborough and see if they can uh, undo some of the damage. But, yeah, they're hanging on to the playoffs right now by their fingertips, and they have very little margin to work with. And right now, they're a team that when the chips were down, when their season to a large extent was on the line is certainly competing for like a, you know top seeding anything more than a wild card um you know josh allen did step up he did have a really really good game in the second half he didn't do much in the first half to be fair but he was really really effective um not only as a passer he was, you know, he's pretty good as a passer uh, against the secondary uh, with tampa bay which always seems to be missing like like three starters um, i think they were starting richard sherman again in this game uh but i think you know the big thing in the second half was that they started using him in the run game very very aggressively um and from a variety of different looks there were kind of like play action looks or po looks to power running looks kind of stuff you'd see from cam newton back in the day and they just seem to be like josh allen's like i have to win this game so i'm literally going to put my body on the line and we know from the news section that he ended up picking up an injury late in this game and obviously there's concerns that he won't be able to do a performance like this again because like this was very much as you say a one-man show like Stefan Diggs was okay at 74 yards and uh, Cole Beasley had a lot of catches but like 7.1 average so 
He's not getting, he doesn't have the type of support system around him um, that Touchdown Tom has. So he's he's really having to step up and do a lot. And yeah, I think for the Bills, for a team that looked so complete um, last year and looked pretty good early on this season, to kind of see them become such a, you know, de- like quarterback dependent team is very, very disappointing. I think the defense in particular, you know, you know it had a good second half. Like they kept uh, Tampa Bay only three points in the second half. So obviously, they have the capability and they've shown the capability of being an elite defense but over the last month or so when they've come against these kind of especially hard harder bitten teams these kind of um like like teams who who, who uh, are you know either have a running game in particular they just seem to have kind of fallen off a bit like jonathan taylor and now Leonard fournette both have good games against them so definitely big concerns there if you're a buffalo bills fan uh, i think there's a few injuries that maybe make a difference there and yeah so they're definitely in trouble and i would definitely be concerned especially with that josh allen injury if he slowed down at all big 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 questions about the upside for this team i still hope to see them in the playoffs because i think they have the upside to be a really interesting team but um yeah tough times right now uh on the tampa bay side well it was just another kind of uh, for the first half certainly it looked like a another imperious tampa bay um performance they were obviously at home they were kind of whipping a buffalo team that was uh you know on the ropes and tom brady you know getting all those flashbacks all those times he's beaten up the bills for the crack and you know as you say like tom brady has all of this support around him like leonard fournette has been playing with his hair on fire well he doesn't have hair but you know it was beard on fire let's say uh for the last month it feels like playoff lenny is definitely coming early and then you have chris godwin and mike evans both doing really well and both like stepping up um, now, there's questions of whether Antonio Brown will come back, but that would probably be the icing on the cake to go with him. Obviously, Gronkowski as well. Um, but even with, if it's just Godwin Evans or Gronkowski, that is one of the most fearsome, um, you know, ta- like threesomes in terms of receiving weapons in the league. And that Gronkowski return, of course, we've mentioned before, has been a huge uh, fill-up for them. And, of course, you see that in the in overtime, like the Bills got the got the ball first but they were unable to kind of get it going they kind of had a couple of mistakes ended up being costly and then you know you give one chance to touch down tom and he finds brashad perryman for a bomb um <laughs> you know brashad perryman who has basically done very little he's like probably the wide receiver five on that team um even with antonio brown out and he ends up going for the touchdown and that's you know, as you said that's his 700 touchdown in his career uh, including playoffs and he uh so that's probably why 600 kind of that was probably regular season or something like that. Um, so he, yeah, he just gets a seven hundred season and it happens to be in you know a walk off winning touchdown. That's just uh, the Tom Brady uh, way of doing things, it seems. Uh, and you know the things that he's doing. I know we've said it so many times this year, but the things that he's doing at his age are just absolutely ridiculous and unparalleled. And yeah, the the future that some fear you probably don't, Sean, but most fear of the Tampa Bay versus New England Super Bowl seems to be getting a little bit more real every week. Yeah, I mean it is it is kind of insane. Some of the Brady throws in this that the Evans TD throw in particular was, was just insanely good. I, he's, he's actually getting better. That's the thing that really kind of freaks me out about Brady. This guy's forty four years old. He's been playing in the league for more than twenty years, and he's actually improving. Um, as as the seasons and, and especially the season goes on, it's I mean, he's not a human being. He must be some sort of a robot um, or something. Um, <laughs> and for the builds, uh, for the builds, it's I mean, it felt like their build season in a nutshell to a certain extent. They coming up short against good teams is kind of what their entire season has been about. That they've gotten close against good teams, but they've always kind of lost them in the end. 
it feels like they're, the season has definitely regressed from last season in that sense. I mean, I was impressed with the comeback considering the form that Tampa Bay were in, given that they were steamrolling and this was the first time that Tampa Bay had been held below 30 points in a home game in, in, in regular time. They did get there in overtime, but, but for the first 60 minutes of the game, they were held below 30 points for the first home game this season. Um, but uh, And the, the adjustments made to, to open up the Allen run and stuff like that, allow them those kind of options against what is one of the best running games in the in the league was quite impressive, but they just didn't get it done. I mean, luckily for the Bills, I mean, the thing that, that gets me for the Bills is leave aside the Pats game, which is going to be tough. Their schedule is actually pretty soft. Their schedule is... Um, Panthers uh, on the road. Uh, Patriots. Patriots or is it the way around? I actually can't tell. It's Panthers. Is they Panthers, Patriots. Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and Jets. So they might. They basically there's ten wins there that they are available to them. They're seven and six now. I think they can get to ten and seven. They have a shot at then at you know eleven wins if they manage to beat the the Pats. But the question then is, I mean, given this thing of coming up short against good teams, how much of an impact are they actually going to have in the playoffs? Because if they can't beat good teams, I mean, the playoffs is nothing but good teams. So even if they make the playoffs, even if they get to ten wins or eleven wins and make the playoffs, I'm beginning to wonder just what kind of impact this team is actually going to have. Or are they going to be a one and done team in the playoffs? Given they're probably going to be on the road unless they can find a way to get back above the Pats uh, in the division standing so going to be a, a difficult end of the season for the bills um, i think um next up then uh arizona uh against the rams huge wins for the rams 30 to 23 saving their season as i talked about uh last week basically they had to win this game or their season was toast they re-entered the, the nfc favorite circle with quite an impressive win against the uh, arizona side which it's not been great uh, of late, maybe starting to be figured out just a little bit. Stafford finally showed up for a big game, 287 yards, three touchdowns, and most importantly, no mistakes uh, at all. Um, Cup had a big game, 123 yards and a touchdown. He was clutch again. And even OBJ had an impressive game, uh, 77 yards and a touchdown. Also help from Jefferson, who had a touchdown uh, as well. So uh, Kyler, once again, kind of mixes magic and mistakes. Uh, 383, two interceptions, 61 uh, on the ground. A lot of disciplined pressure from the Rams, four sacks. Aaron Donald back in form that kind of got to them. A little bit of game, poor game management at the end from Arizona and Kyler, so it all kind of came apart. James Conner, sorry to say, Conner had a very uh, impressive game. He's kind of turning more into a receiver uh, than a runner. Seven consecutive games for, with a touchdown for James Conner, which is a stat that kind of blows you out of, of the mind. So Rams now kind of, I think, one game behind the Cardinals. The season is tied in terms of the record, so they have a shot at the division. As I said, they probably need to win the division because home field advantage in the NFC is going to be huge um, because no team is going to be able to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC, um, I think. Um, so very big win for the Rams, kind of save the season, and the Cardinals, we begin to see some chinks in the armor. Yeah, I think what we wanted to see from the Rams was a bit of grit, a bit of toughness, a bit of you know, uh, just just something to show that they're not a, a fraudulent team. We've like I've called them a fraudulent team in recent weeks because uh, they've shown themselves to be soft. But in this game, it kind of felt that it was the opposite that the like the uh, Cardinals were found to be the soft team. So I think you know when you're talking about the Rams right now, obviously kind of enforced you to Daryl Henderson. They've been running Sony Michelle a lot more, who's obviously much more of a power runner uh, compared to Henderson. And while Michelle was only like four yards a carry, about eighty yards. 
it, it, I think it's the statement that it makes about what the Rams are willing to do that's important. Because when they started this year for the first like half of this year, they basically were running a very different offense from what they've run during the Jared Goff era. A lot more, uh, you know, passing uh, from shotgun. A lot more, you know, just uh, four wide, like three or four wide receiver looks, and just not play like playing kind of, I suppose. Uh, air raid type football it felt like to a certain just let Stafford like sling the ball out and run things but in the last few weeks whether due to injury or just due to adjustments they've been much more willing to kind of get him under center um, run the ball uh, using the kind of the, the zone uh, blocking scheme that they, they, they have uh, kind of schematically and just be willing to you know wait a little bit be a little bit patient and not just rely on on cup to be you know the entirety of the offense now like Cup was really impressive in this game, and he was particularly important in the second half. And the touchdown stands out as a really good grab where Stafford threw it in the only place that that Cup could have caught it. And Cup obviously is a, was so clutch in terms of actually scooping that off and making sure it didn't hit the ground. Um, but there was a number of big, you know, like fourth, third, and fourth down plays that Cup was also um, the key receiver there. But I think the big thing in terms of having that running identity is that it opens up the play action for the guys of OBJ and uh, Jefferson because Van Jefferson because they both got touchdowns here um, on kind of uh, Jefferson in particular his long throw was off play action and he, he you know ended up kind of splitting the safeties like they were definitely peaking on Stafford and they just had a disciplined game plan um, where they were willing to run the ball willing to go down short um, and then just wait for those opportunities like to get the right looks from the defense and we know Sean McVay is one of the best offensive minds in the league and I think just you know treating Stafford more like golf um, and be willing to use the more conservative stuff to kind of protect him just makes a lot of sense. So it'll be really interesting to see what they look like down the stretch as they as they kind of do that. Like it's worked really well, like in say Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers isn't the entirety of the offense all the time. I think it made sense for the, to make this transition. Um, and yeah, you'll definitely get more out of OBJ and Van Jefferson, who aren't obviously kind of the good right runners that like Robert Woods was before his injury. Um, out of this case, so I think they have a template here that I think can work. And on the other hand, their defense after not being really where you'd expect to be given the level of caliber of player they have finally had a you know what i would say a, a good performance against obviously a really good quarterback and a really good offense and um, that's been blowing up teams all year we saw aaron donald finally have one of those games where he just took over the game it's kind of something that he hasn't been able to do necessarily all season uh, although admittedly he gets like doubled and triple blocked every single play it feels like um but the obviously the big thing is the other guys on the line um are obviously creating enough pressure that they can't do that so he ends up a three sacks three tackles for a loss we know aaron donald can do this we just haven't seen it enough but if he's getting hot in december then you you know the rest of the NFC quarterbacks in the playoffs are going to have to look out because uh, we know what a absolute freak he is. So for the Rams, everything is looking up. We'll see if they can build on this and kind of have a good home stretch. I think they are technically they're most likely to lose any tiebreaker with the Cardinals, so they're basically 1.5 games behind. Um, but uh, you know if they can sneak into that uh, NFC West first position, I'm sure they'd be very happy to do so. Uh, on the other hand, like look, the Cardinals. You know they they beat the they've beaten some teams over the last month without necessarily being that impressive. Like for a long, long stretches they had Colt McCoy, so it's kind of understandable. And then last week against the Bears, they basically didn't have to do any work because the Bears just kept giving them the ball. So in the first game where Kyler was basically being asked to kind of carry the team and win them, you saw. 
both the really, really good things about Kyler Murray and also the really, really bad things about Kyler. Well, not really bad, but like the bad things about Kyler Murray. So the really good thing is that there are situations that he gets into that he turns into positive plays and he has no right to do so. There was one catch in particular to AJ Green in the second half uh, where he was basically flushed all the way out to the left, threw across his body and basically dumped it just above the kind of reaching defensive back. Um, kind of just basically Russell Wilson type shit. Um, and he had to make a lot of those plays this game because obviously Aaron Donald was having an absolute freak show game. Uh, but you still see he he was productive. He had nearly 400 yards. Um, he, he was willing to rush more as well as the pressure was put on. Uh, this is the most yards he's had this year. We know he can do more, but obviously they're trying to protect him as much as they can. But you also saw the mistakes. The two interceptions are obviously bad. The second interception in particular was just a, a boneheaded decision. He tried to tr- he tried to throw it over uh, a defensive lineman, and you know it. You know, given the physics diagram, it you know the trajectory of the ball needs to be pretty goddamn uh, high to get over someone who's like probably got a good foot over you. Um, uh, maybe even if like a good foot over you, yeah, definitely. So he's, you know, he, he made a mistake there, and I think in particular. Uh, the thing that stands out is at the end of this game. So, you know, the Cardinals managed to make it a seven-point game and then managed to actually convert uh, an onside kick. Uh, so they actually made the onside kick work. So, you know, you're in a less-than-a-minute situation. Um, you've got the ball. You need to score a touchdown. And honestly, the entire sequence is an absolute disaster. They had penalties. They had situations like that. But, you know, the last couple of plays in particular are on Kyler in cases where he should have obviously spiked the ball, given himself uh, more hope. He ended up just trying to go hurry up and the rest of his offense was in no way um, on the same page as him. So the final play, um, he was setting up, I presume, to do a kind of Hale Murray, no, another Hale Murray type play and his receivers were just kind of walking around, running around, having no idea what to do and it's just one of those cases like obviously Arizona all this year have lived on the chaos but in those cases you just kind of see the Kyler's ability to control the offense is not really where it needs to be if he wants to be a truly elite quarterback he has such you know his upsides are so huge that it's not you know uh, like a, a point why you wouldn't have Kyler Murray but in these cases in cases that you might see in the playoffs it becomes really important and even if you think back to their loss to Green Bay that came on a miscommunication between him and AJ Green uh, where the defensive back was the only one playing the ball these are the kind of things you have to be worried about if, you, if you're a you know an Arizona Cardinals fan and you might like you know, I don't want to say Kyler Murray is like just a really freakish Jared Goff in the sense that he has all these super talents to kind of get away with being Jared Goff in terms of game management, but there has to be slight concerns that this is the, you know, Cliff Kingsbury show in terms of the offense and that Kyler isn't investing enough in getting to, you know, becoming Tom Brady, becoming Matt Stafford and having true mastery of his offense, particularly in these key moments, these key drives when the pressure is on and you need to make decisions um, quickly and efficiently. Yeah, I mean, I, I am kind of getting the vibes from the Cardinals of that, you know, really good regular season team, but they don't really do much in the playoffs. I think they maybe that chaos that you talked about. I, I just you you don't in the playoffs you can't really get away with with you know just chaotic performances and hoping it all comes together. You kind of have to have some sort of plan, which is why actually, I mean, the Rams are starting to come together. I mean. Defense, as you said, a really big game for them. Their season has not been what they wanted, and they really they kind of won this game more than anything else. And the fact that Stafford kind and of you know didn't make mistakes. I heard an interesting comparison in one of the podcasts I listened to, which is that if you think back to last year, Tampa Bay came off their bye, they figured things out eventually in offense. The quarterback started looking really good. The defense stepped up. You know, there's some people who might say that 
you know, maybe the Rams have that in them. They obviously remember Tampa Bay had to go through the wild card as well. Uh, I don't know if mm. I'm willing to invest there because like Matt Stafford is certainly not Tom Brady, but you know, just some food <laughs> for thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we still probably don't know that the ceiling of this Rams team, but it certainly looks like they're they're they've got a they've got a plan and they're going to see how far it gets them. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. But if they do end up on the road for you know three rounds, even it's going to be tough to see them getting to the Super Bowl. From my own opinion. Um, okay, so next up, San Francisco 49ers edging out the Cincinnati Bengals 26-23 in overtime. Uh, San Francisco up uh, 14 points uh, at one point. Uh, they survived blowing it, uh, and they missed a potential walk-off 46-yard or 47-yard field goal to win in overtimes. Um, but they managed to, to prevent the, the, uh, the tie by Brandon Ayuk, um, pulling in a spectacular uh, touchdown. Um, uh, Jimmy G was solid, just under 300 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, George Kittle is playing out of his skin at the moment, 151 yards and touchdown. He is the best tight end in the game at the moment. On the other side, the Bengals. Burrow, 348, two touchdowns, pretty good. He was poised to get that comeback working. The run game, though, isn't quite there at the moment. Three yards per carry at the moment. Um, Higgins, 114, Chase, 77 and, and two yards. They attacked that depleted sec- San Francisco secondary. They almost pulled it off. They thought they'd won it in overtime, but then the 49ers get it done. Um, so, yeah, a, a harsh win-loss for the Bengals in terms of it, the AFC is such a tough playoff run. They're in a lot of trouble there. But, I mean, the Niners pretty much have that sixth seed locked up, you would think, at this point. Yeah, given the quality of teams that are chasing after them, you would imagine they... they uh, even just being above 500 puts them in a pretty uh, satisfactory position for the playoff hunt. And like, look, this is a game that San Francisco uh, will be, you know, sweating about. They'll just be thankful to get out of here with the win because they deserve the win. Um, they had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they had a field goal attempt at more than reasonable length with a with a decent kicker in Robbie Gold that they ended up kicking and i'm sure that when they went to the overtime and the bengals managed to get a score on their first drive the three points um they were probably shitting it but uh thankfully for the uh, 49ers um they were bailed out uh by the quality of their players like george kittle as you said was an absolute beast uh, for this team he was actually it's just ridiculous he's come back the last few weeks it took a couple of weeks to like to heat up but now he looks like even better, perhaps, than he looked like he's looked like at any point in his career. Um, I think the big thing for them is that, like the running game, um, Eli Mitchell missed this game again, so obviously they're missing their top runner. But the running game really wasn't as good as you'd expect for the San Francisco Forty Niners, um, and so I think it took maybe you know into the second half uh, for both these teams to realize that the best way to win would be to let their quarterbacks go. And obviously, you know, a little bit more suspicious if you're the Forty Nineers because you have Jimmy G, and he's been very up and down say but look if you've got George Kittle who's able to be just dominant in every drive if you've got Debo Samuel who just get his ball get the ball in his hands he was mostly used as a rusher here again because uh, of the running back situation but you know we know he can make explosive plays uh, with yards after the carry and you see Ayuk who uh, you know was being benched early on the season but has really uh, you know stepped back up in the recent weeks um, and he made that spectacular touchdown in uh, overtime like truly he just like he, he runs, uh, he's on the sideline, he's tiptoeing, and then he just makes a massive leap um, and just manages to just get it over the uh, pylon. Um, a very, very impressive play. And, like, look, like, obviously, if you're a 49ers fan and you're now 
peaking at the playoffs, um, maybe other teams won't be quite as generous in terms of allowing yards after the catch. I don't think anyone can start George Kittle, but in terms of yards after the catch situations for Debo Samuel and Brad and Ayuk, maybe it'll be more difficult there with more disciplined defense. But I think you have a template. We've seen the 49ers be good. We've obviously made a Super Bowl only a couple of years ago. Um, there are reasons to believe this could be a, a you know a, a dark horse team, um, assuming it makes the playoffs, and one certainly that should be you know uh, kept in mind. And their defense, while you know very very bad in the secondary, because they were I think they had two players uh, like their two backups who were supposed to play, they went out, so they're on their like backup backups, and they're playing like uh, <laughs> they're playing a lot more of Josh Norman than they anyone really wants. Um, you know. The other parts of their defense are pretty solid, so I think they can come back if they can just get the defense, like cover up the defensive backs enough. Um, obviously, they have Fred Warner, they have that uh, line with Bosa and stuff. So, you know, not a great defense, not near where it was when they got the Super Bowl, but uh, I don't think it's a, it necessarily the weakest defense either. On the Bengals side, like, look, as I said, like both these teams realize you have to pass the ball. The first half uh, for the Bengals was pretty anemic as they kind of tried to run the same plan that they had that's been really successful, to be fair, for them for the last month of running the ball with Joe Mixon, who has been dealing with, was dealing with an illness all prior to this week, so probably wasn't playing 100%. Um, but he was very ineffective, only 3.2 a carry. It looked kind of early on in the year where the running game just wasn't getting going. Uh, but given that the injuries existed in that, uh, that 49ers secondary, it's just a bit, it's a bit of a surprise to me that they didn't go to the pass like put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands faster because once he did he seemed to be able to get T Higgins and Jamar Chase uh, for big plays on a very consistent basis and so yeah it's just a bit I think you know we have worries about the coaching in Cincinnati that it's not necessarily like an elite uh, coaching ticket under Zach Taylor and this type of situation where you don't play to the personnel that the other team are putting out where you kind of just faff around and try to do what worked in previous weeks rather than you know adapting just a little bit of a concern there. Like Cincinnati, they're still in a reasonable position to kind of make a push for the playoffs, but if they have too many of these like bungling type of losses, like, you know, where, where they lose, where, where perhaps, you know, when they're given the chance by the 49ers to get back into the game and let back in to get a chance, if they keep blowing these in a the competitive AFC, they, they might even make the playoffs. And if they do make the playoffs, you know, these mistakes will be even more harshly punished. So, yeah, like I want to like the Bengals. I think that Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. I think they've had a defense that's impressed so far this year, but... There's always just that case of the coaching and the bungling um, that makes you just a little bit suspicious of them on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, this is my feeling of the Bengals. It's really talented team, coaching not up to it. They're not going to be able to realize their potential is, is my kind of sense um, of it. Staying then with AFC North craziness, this division that the, the gift that keeps on giving, uh, the Cleveland Browns, I mean, Jesus, who'd be a Browns fan, uh, 24-22 win over the Baltimore Ravens, but they really did their best to try and throw this one away. They were cruising. 24-6 up at halftime. Lamar Jackson out injured. The Browns offense seemingly working for the first time in, in weeks. It was all going so well, and then they just stopped playing. And... Somehow the Ravens kept chipping away, got it back to 24-9, 24-12. Then they scored a touchdown, and then they they got back to two points below. And then the onside kick, and they managed to get the onside kick. And I was watching, I was like, oh, my God, this is the Browns are just, this is just 
it's just the Browns in hell forever. They're going to lose this game that they should have won by you know a million miles. Um, but they managed to just about the defense stepped up at the end to just about hold them off and, and hold on to the win. Baker, 190 yards, two touchdowns, interception. He's definitely improved since before the bye, resting up a bit, getting over those injuries. But when the chips were down, when he had to do things, I mean, that second half, he was still a bit of a liability. When the run game isn't working, still Cleveland are, are a bit restricted in terms of that. They haven't quite got that passing game where they needed to. And, you know, something needs to be done about that for the for the Ravens then Lamar went out early Tyler Huntley came in he was inconsistent but fine 315 yards touchdown two fumbles I mean he's got that problem that backup QBs have which where he can be quite explosive but he's also going to make mistakes and ultimately you just can't rely on him to do what has to be done um he had a pretty bad awareness situation where he got kind of creamed by Miles Garrett in a fumble which was ended up being the decisive play it was kind of a, a fumble six I don't know what the what the pick six equivalent of a fumble is called um, but uh, so yeah it was Ravens fall down to eight and five they're only a game ahead of the Browns now this division is tightening up so far the Ravens as we've talked about are all over the place this season they they win close games that they should have they win they win they have close games that they should have won comfortably they win games they shouldn't win this one almost became another of those games that they won that they shouldn't have won um, they're still top of their division but it's going to be interesting to see where things go for the Browns I mean they're still together. If they can survive this COVID thing, get a win against the Raiders, then their season gets quite interesting. they got a really tough schedule to finish out. They have to win three of their last four, I would say. you got to be worried by how sloppy they were in the second half. The secondary just went to sleep entirely in the second half and just, uh, just allowed uh, Huntley to get away with loads of throws he shouldn't have. It was it was worrying for the Browns for a, for a win that looked comfortable for three quarters of the game. This is a very worrying situation for the Browns because even in games which are gimmies in terms of wins they still manage to find a way to almost lose it so they're technically alive very much in the fight but uh, yeah it's not the, this season is not the Brown season I, I think I think they're going to have heartbreak somewhere down the line probably in week 18 but at the very least they'll, they'll maybe have a wild card game where they'll fall short but uh, at most but yeah it's not this season for the Browns. Even though we love them at, on this pod, we're big big Browns fans. We want to see them do well. It's just there's just too many games like this. Too many times where this kind of shit happens, and it's just not consistent and reliable after a certain point. Yeah, like their only saving grace is that the rest of the AFC North is equally inconsistent and unreliable. So, <laughs> like they have a chance due to the chaos. But yeah, based on what they're putting out right now, they're not a team like we we want the Browns to be good. Like their defense is is good, uh, but the offense right now is just a complete mess. And yeah. Uh, the interception from Baker just like allowed Baltimore to come back into this game. They allowed Huntley to have some production, but his pocket awareness is terrible, and they were saved uh, by by that by, by the few fumbles that he ended up cocking up. But yeah, uh, neither of these teams feel like uh, playoff caliber teams right now. But uh, uh, you know, there's a decent chance at least one of them will be there. I mean, this this is the weird thing about the AFC North. You feel that maybe not all four. I mean, the Steelers probably aren't a playoff team, but three of the four teams feel like playoff teams. But at the same time, they feel like they shouldn't be in the playoffs because they're not good enough. It's like it's like one of these teams has to be in the playoffs. Three of them sort of deserve to be there, but also none of them, based on the performances that they put out on occasion, deserve to be there. So it's a very it's fun to watch. But yeah, none of these teams is going to win the Super Bowl. I think completing then our tour of the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers find a way to stop play, not play for three quarters and still almost win the game. 
They fall just short, 28-36 to to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, 29-0 up, cruising, uh, and then they just decided to let the other side, uh, you know, have a whole bunch of points for fun, and then they just about got there in the end. Uh, uh, the Pittsburgh final drive falls just short. Friermuth is sandwiched on the potential TD that got didn't get there. Claypool at 93 yards, but you know antics, uh, maturity questions over him going down the line on the on the Minnesota end. Cook huge game on on his return back, 222 and two touchdowns. The Vikings found that they're once they have a significant running game, their offense is quite good. Kirk Cousins at 216, two touchdowns, but fucked up quite late, two interceptions and almost threw the game away. Roethlisberger, 308 yards, three touchdowns, interceptions, playing better in the last few weeks. He gets going once the, the rush and the coverage starts to soften up later, but he just wasn't great early. Once again, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense only turns up for one quarter. Um, Deontay Harris, 104 yards, two touchdowns, seems to be where the future of that team is. So the Steelers are, are a team that are somehow still alive. They're 6-6-1 six and six and one now, I think. They're just hanging around, hanging around, but uh, I can't see them going any, any further. And, I mean, I've already stated how much I just don't believe in the Vikings, but I do think they're probably going to get that seventh seed the way things are going because they are the seventh best team in the NFC, which says more about the NFC than it says about the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, this is a game of destiny. Pittsburgh must finish with exactly 500, which obviously is a lot more impressive now that you need a tie. And Minnesota must get that uh, that seventh NFC seed and get blown out on uh, <laughs> on wildcard weekend. And but they must do it both in the dumbest way possible. And truly, this was a game of fantastically dumb proportions. Like, you know, the Minnesota Vikings are like a mule with a spinning wheel. Nobody knows how they got it, and damn that they know how to use it. And in this game, 29-0, to zero, like this is, it. you know, it's not probably, be, it wouldn't be as a, you know, iconic as 28-3, to three, of course, given the stage, although this was a, you know, a Thursday night football. Uh, but the fact that he just, like, they, you know, like they saw early on in their defense that all you need to do to stop Ben Roethlisberger is to pass rush him with more than three guys, like and blitz him a bit, and then you know, like press his receivers a bit, because uh, then he can't do his short uh, receptions as easily. And it just seems that they forgot. They just simply forgot to do that. Like I realize, like I know we all hate prevent defense, but the Minnesota Vikings were taking this to strange and weird new places with how badly they were doing this for how long they were doing this. And they just about get away with it on their final drive where Friar Moose um, had a touchdown if he could have held on, but he was you know, admittedly sandwiched between two safeties who were blasting him into the seventh uh, circle of hell. Um, of course, that was the final play because uh, Chase Claypool, who had a number of idiotic um, uh, incidents early on in the game, picking up a, a flag for for you know stupid behaviour, um, on the final drive, you know, got a first down and decided, you know, with like less than a minute on the clock, this is the appropriate time to do the first uh, first down celebration while your like guard is trying to grab the ball off you. No, 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 I don't need this. And I think he claimed afterwards that like a, a defensive player came out and was also interfering. But hey, you know the situation. Don't give them a chance to do that unless like like you know unless you're literally on the bottom of a pile of players. Uh, like there's an excuse there. But otherwise, you shouldn't be screwing up that much. And that could have been an, an extra play, perhaps, that, that Pittsburgh didn't get in this case. Like, his production is good. He's got 93 yards. He's a really talented player. But uh, don't be such a dunderhead. And there's, like, some incidents last year, for example, getting in, like, internet fights and stuff that, yeah, just grow up, man. Like, just 
yeah, whatever. Um, so like like Pittsburgh, we we know who they are at this point. They show up for a quarter or two in time on 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 offense. Their defense um, vacillates between elite and terrible. Um, in this game, particularly against the run game, terrible. Uh, probably mostly dependent on whether TJ Watt is actually in the game. Um, he was out of the game for most here, so maybe not surprising that they ended up uh, giving up a bunch of points. Um, so look, we know who Steelers are. They're destined for eight and one. I hope. Uh, and you know, if they make the playoffs wildcard fodder uh, but they're not quite as wildcard fodder as the Minnesota Vikings who we also know who they are especially when Dalvin Cook comes back and absolutely dominates um, for the entire first three quarters and basically makes Kirk Cousins look effective but then he's like Ugh, this game's too easy I'm just going to throw a couple of picks why not like uh, it'll make a bit of crack and yeah Kirk Cousins I think the NFL media, certain people who are like like PFF followers or DVOA advanced analytics, they go, look, no, Kirk Cousins having a really good season. He's actually a really effective quarterback. And, you know, he is probably like the 15th or 16th best quarterback. But the problem with Kirk Cousins is that when the chips are down, when you need to do things that matter in times that matter, too often he is the dumb, makes a stupid mistake, throws the game away, um situation or occasionally just is incredibly boring uh, and it just doesn't seem to have for a lack of a better term clutchness now obviously you know he could win the Super Bowl and prove us all wrong but just when we've seen his career in totality very effective you know seven to ten win quarterback but the upside just doesn't exist there uh, the upside for this team is purely Dalvin Cook and their defense um, which was solid for most of this game is one which I think injuries have really taken. Like I think if you if they had the starting defense at the start of the year, it would be one that I'd say keep an eye on. But given the injuries that they've had, like and the situations had with people like Everson Griffin, it's not near that. And I think late on we saw that if they're not willing to just put some pressure on their quarterback, um, they're really got really unstuck here but like Mike Zimmer has major questions to answer about letting this happen in the first like there's no way this should have happened uh but just for the Vikings it just feels like the story of their year um so look the Vikings get the win they stay in contention for that last wildcard spot uh but you know your hatred is completely understandable but destiny is stronger than hatred I'm afraid Sean <laughs> well if your destiny is to be the seventh seed to be blown out by the Green Bay Packers in the wildcard I mean I'm fine with that destiny for the Minnesota Vikings I think they they deserve they deserve it after what they put me through this season. Um, so next up then um, to the last year's derp division. This year not quite so derp, but still a bit derpy. Uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, edge out a little bit closer than it needed to be. Twenty-seven twenty against the Washington Football Team. This was just a messy, messy game. Shitloads of penalties. Shitloads of turnovers. No kind of rhythm. Anything at all. Their massive fight broke out in the second half. It was, uh, yeah, it was a game that, that was not a good advertisement for the NFC East. But the Cowboys reassert their control. That's probably the division locked up for them now. A dominant performance until late. They were 24-nil up at one point, I think. And then they kind of just stopped playing. They had a bit of a meltdown. Um, Dak was quite poor, all things considered. 211 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, gave away a pick six when he didn't need to to create the frantic finish. Um, but thankfully, this Dallas defense, which had previously been the weakest part of this team, is now beginning to come to the fore. I mean, it's it's really starting to get somewhere. This defense is really quite interesting. Micah Parsons in particular, it's it's going to be... I mean, never mind defensive rookie of this year. This guy is on in line for defensive player of the year. Um, if he keeps this up, he's killing it. He, in this game, he had uh, an interception... Three fumbles, five sacks, uh, nine quarterback hits. Actually, that's the Dallas defense as a whole. 
Parsons contributed, I think, at least to one of those fumbles, if I remember yeah, rightly, but he was just dominated all, all around. For Washington, I mean, they're a very mad team. Tyler, Taylor Heineke had one of the worst first halves I've ever seen a quarterback have. He was 2 out of 12 at halftime here. Ended up 122 yards, a touchdown, in an interception. Was out twice with injuries, and both times Kyle came in and played a lot better than him. He was pummeled throughout. He did have his one kind of dive for the pylon thing, which seems to be his kind his kind of signature move. Um, but little rush help. Um, not much going on in Washington. Um, otherwise, uh, reality check for the division. I mean, the Cowboys are the best of a bad bunch, but it's questionable. Are they really? When you think about the three best teams in the NFC: the Cardinals, the the Packers, uh, and the Bucks. Are they really in that in that level? Are they even better than the Rams? Are they looking at a wild card home defeat to the Rams? Um, it could be what's in their future. This team. The offense has kind of fallen off a cliff recently. Even with the pieces back, uh, Cooper and Lamb back from injury, not back where it was. Dak has regressed. That injury that he had in week six has kind of kind of kept him. Um, has kind of really hampered them, and you can kind of see it now. They've gone from – they started five and one. They're three and three in their last, the last six games have been messy all over. Really needed the, the Dallas defense to step up. Big turnovers and key moments early got, got them enough points in the end to hold them, but – yeah, I'm not convinced. I, I'm utterly not convinced this Washington team is is playoff quality, but they might get the seventh seed because someone has to. This Cowboys team is going to be the fourth seed, and I don't see them being competitive against the top three teams. I don't see them getting any further than that unless they fix these offensive problems um, that have creeped into this game. Then they're they're going to be one and done, or maybe divisional round is the best they can hope for. I think. Yeah, like it's it's good news, bad news for the. Dallas Cowboys like their defense is really really good and Micah Parsons is ridiculous and like look we're we're a podcast that shits on the NFC East hype train but Micah Parsons is legitimately an absolute sensation he play you know the fact that he was brought in to play defensive end due to injuries and he looked brilliant there and he looks great as a linebacker and he just seemed to be absolutely annihilating Taylor Haneke in every second play it felt like in this game just an absolute demon um, and, you know, the defense overall looks pretty solid as well, uh, but he's really the, the linchpin of what's making them work, and they're getting guys like Demarcus Lawrence back as well, so they're better, but the offense, as you say, just isn't where it needs to be. I think the biggest issue with Dak right now is that the spectacular, like, the big plays are still there, he's still able to kind of work within the system, but the reason people were really high on Dak is was his ability to read the game, and that seems to have abandoned him, it feels like, for the last few weeks. I don't know if the hips de- dealing with him or Mike McCarthy isn't, uh, or Kellen Moore aren't putting an offense together from that plays to his strengths, but he's just looked very, very shaky in terms of his ability to read the play, something which has traditionally been his strongest thing. And look for Washington. Look, they're a seven seed at best. Uh, with Heineke, he's just very chaotic. Um, and in this game, the chaos was very much contained by the you know the superior chaos of the aggressive uh, Dallas defense. Uh, we'll we'll see what the Washington team can extract out of this. But like they went behind early early in this game. They only got back in because of some incredible fuck ups from Dallas. But uh, yeah, a reality check for this division. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, so that's all the, all the big games from this week. We're now going to move on to the the rest of the games with, in the segment that we colorfully call the dump off. Ronan. Yeah, uh, not not like outside of those games we talked about. There had some you know, pretty blowout, prominent week. Uh, so there isn't that too much to talk about in the rest of these games. But we'll talk about the ones that are somewhat playoff relevant. Uh, we'll first start with Chicago at Green Bay. Uh, this was Sunday Night Football, 30-45. to 45. Like basically in the second half, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know, his toe might have got stubbed at that point. So he's extra angry. Just decided to, you know, just 
lopsidedly decide that he owns all the shares in the Chicago Bears, no matter who <laughs> claims to actually own that uh, team. Uh, 341 four touchdowns, doing most of his damage in the second half, uh, with Devante Adams basically seemingly open at will, which, to be fair, is something we've seen a lot from Green Bay. 121 and two touchdowns for Adams. And there was like spirited Chicago uh, resistance in the first half. They were actually, I believe, in the lead going into the second half, but um, things got very ugly for them after that only three points the entire second half and by the time we got into the fourth quarter AJ Dillon was out there salting the game away on the on the ground uh, fields very very much the poor man's Kyler Murray performance 224 two touchdowns two interceptions and a fumble plus 74 rushing you see the upside you see the reason he was a first round pick um, but he because uh, he has the explosive plays and he can rush the ball very well but his ability to read the game and his ability to just turn the ball over on, on poor plays basically and that pick six in particular early was, was pretty devastating in terms of them establishing a kind of lead that they could have worked from basically meant that you know he, he you know he's not quite there that's what we've seen most of the season against good defense he was definitely exposed but you see the flashes of what he can do and you're kind of going okay this is probably worth keeping the rather bringing Andy Dalton back in and losing in you know more boring fashion basically uh, you know and but the fact that he had the advantage um, of like an early like punt uh, like a punt uh, TD um, and a few explosive plays helping him and he still has this fairly uh, bad stat line and like had the lead for a long period yeah just big concerns there uh, they definitely need to move on in terms of coaching probably and see if someone else can fix fields up and you know find the raw talent and make the best of it and uh, next up La Las Vegas at Kansas City 9 to 48 the uh, wheels certainly came off the Las Vegas bus because <laughs> the first play Kansas City fumble touchdown like fumble touchdown um, and it didn't really get better for there from the for the Vegas Raiders they got it like a few points in garbage time but otherwise this was uh, car who had 263 yards, two turnovers, he had a touchdown, and garbage time as mentioned, basically being annihilated all game as the Kansas City defense just feasted upon him. Uh, they just went to town, they had five turnovers, four sacks, they hit him 11 times in total. Just truly, truly depressing for Vegas fans, but uh, Kansas City, I think as you said uh, in one of the chats, uh, I'm sure they'd love to play the Vegas Raiders every week at this stage. Because uh, like their offense actually looks okay against the Raiders. Uh, Mahomes had 258 yards, two touchdowns. He looked to have a good day. Uh, not didn't have to do much considering the scenario where the, the defense, the running game was working well. Uh, but he looked comfortable. He looked more like the Mahomes we expect. I think that run game working is obviously going to be a big fill-up for them if, if they're going to go further uh, and get back to the kind of Super Bowl uh, where, of course, they're expected to be because of their pedigree over recent years. Uh, but we need to see this happen against a non-Las Vegas team before we start buying into the Mahomes hype again. Next up, Atlanta at Carolina, the 29-21 win for Atlanta. Something at this game I've, I've termed the technically relevant bowl, um, where <laughs> both these teams are technically relevant, but uh, are in actuality completely irrelevant. And if either of these teams make the playoff, I will be very sad. Um, and it was a truly technically unsound game. Sloppy, sloppy play from both sides, where Ryan, 190 yards and touchdown, did just enough to kind of you know, take advantage of the fact that the Atlanta defense had a really good day. Uh, they had two interceptions, which included one pick six. They had a fumble. They had four tackles for loss. They caused two uh, late on. They, they had uh, two uh, drives and different uh, on downs for the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, uh, it was basically enough to overcome the most depressing QB controversy of all time as, you know, busted old Cam had two turnovers. He was okay. He wasn't terrible. And he looks good when he's running the ball. But just 
nowhere near you know the cam that we see so it's just sad because you know we knew what he once was he's very much not that player anymore and then they have you know xfl star pj walker he's come in and been depressing only help most of the time that they're already in such a hole that he's, he's kind of screwed anyway and i believe they can they can't designate sam darnold to come back off ior so they can get even more depressing apparently <laughs> uh, for carolina uh, that's truly a three-way that uh, no one would particularly enjoy Maybe, maybe if they combine all three quarterbacks into one quarterback, they'd actually have a decent uh, QB, but God, that is, even that, sure is the worst, that is that is the most depressing quarterback controversy of all time. Darnold, Cam, or PJ Walker. Like, Jesus. that's not even true because they all have the same problem, which is where they have good raw skills, but they have no, like their football intelligence and their reading of the game. Uh, is just not where it needs to be. Like Cam has the best reading of the game, and he's never really been like a like anywhere near a Matt Stafford or Tom Brady. To, like you know, even a Matt Stafford, never mind a Tom Brady uh, or Aaron Rodgers. But like you know, Carolina have a good defense. It's been pretty good, and obviously they're missing CMC. So there is a alternate view, like an alternate version of the season where they're actually quite good. But this is the reality they have, where they're dealing at these backup quarterbacks, and CMC's gone, and the defense has been wasted. And this is a team that you know. After two years of very mediocre play, you know, obviously QB situation makes it difficult. You know, there has to be some questions asked about the Matt Rule area in Carolina. Uh, the rest of these games are probably not worth talking about too much. Giants at Chargers, 21 to 37. Uh, don't believe the score. This was pretty much a blowout. Herbert was dominant, uh, 295 or four yards, three touchdowns, and this is without Keenan Allen, who was dealing with COVID. And I think the orgasmic highlight real play of the week from. Justin Herbert has to be his touchdown just before the end of the first half, uh, where he basically seemed to, to, you know, throw a, you know, throw a good seam pass. Except that the seam pass is like 70 yards down the field, and he's throwing it at like 100 miles an hour, and he just like has it on a rope or a laser or whatever analogy you want to use. Just truly, yeah, orgasmic. I think is a fair description of what he did with that throw. And he has like he's always had one or two of those plays every uh, week, but uh, that one, the guy, he, yeah, truly, yeah. It was good. It was good. Okay, I, I, have, I, I perhaps have analysis, but it was really good. So go watch that. Um, and look, like you know, on the other hand, like he, was, he didn't even have to do that much because the Chargers defense was fighting off. Like, oh, oh, not not Glennon, uh, Mike Glennon, the most powerful of all quarterbacks, or if, if you measure that by neck length. But uh, in terms of QB skill, not so much. 191 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. You know, that you know, he wasn't the worst, but he was never going to win this game. Uh, the running game was okay. Like they, their offense was not the worst. It certainly looked worse at times this season. Their defense is okay, but you know the difference in talent was just very obvious to see. And they're not a team that anyone wants to watch on a week-to-week basis. Um, you know, perhaps there's a, a sense that change is needed in the Giants. Either you know getting a new quarterback because Daniel Jones he's done, probably done for the season, or perhaps a, a coaching, or perhaps both. Next up, New Orleans at the Jets, 30 to nine. Uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, you know when you, you you take some time off, like I'm going on my holidays now, and then you come back, and then there's just this big pile of paper waiting for you, and it's like, okay, you do that. That's Alvin Kamara right now with the Saints. He comes back off his injury, and they're like, hey, you, just do everything, please. And he's like, okay, I suppose. 145 <laughs> yards, and he touched down, and he's just like, hey, you just do all the work. Because Taysom Hill, apparently he's having uh, like a fully functioning finger uh, hand of fingers that work is important for a quarterback because uh, he was not throwing the ball well uh, and you know the only good things he did was his rush and one of those was at the end of the game just to spite the Jets 
Um, and so his like 135 passing, 73 yards, and two touchdowns rushing. But you know, the, 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 he, that's helped by the 50-yard touchdown again at the end of the game, just to yeah, just make Jets' lives even more depressing. Because uh, this Jets team basically did not exist in this game. Like Wilson was wildly inaccurate, under 50%, uh, 235 yards. So the only good thing is that he didn't throw the ball to the other team. Um, that's about it. Because he just missing throws that a starting level quarterback should make, and you just have to be very concerned about him as a franchise quarterback uh, for going forward. Uh, but like to be fair, he's operating with you know an injury depleted offense. Like uh, Moore went to IOR uh, before this game, uh, but there's just very little life left in this Jets team. And uh, yeah, New Orleans, who were on a bit of a skid, uh, get the best best uh, uh, get the best uh, uh, oh, you know, the best thing to get them back on track uh, by beating the Jets in an easy game. Next up, Detroit at Denver. We talked like the most interesting game is probably the you know the Marius Thomas stuff and uh, the respect they paid to him. But like in terms of the actual game, Denver used a rushing attack. Gordon uh, came back from injury, had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Javante Williams, who is an absolute beast, 83 yards and two touchdowns in his like one B role, and a pretty impressive touchdown on a passing game where he just kind of juked out and spun out a bunch of guys. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, uh, break tackle stats for, for Williams. Uh, I think fantasy people just hate him because just give him the ball. Forget Melvin Gordon. But Melvin Gordon was pretty good here. So uh, if you're for football purposes, probably worth doing. And then in the second half, the defense did the rest of the work they had. It, the, like the, the, the drives for the, the Lions uh, in the second half go fumble, downs, downs, interception. So not the greatest day for the uh, Detroit offense. Uh, you can imagine there. And Teddy didn't make mistakes. So that's pretty much all you can ask for him. And Detroit had a decent first half. They were getting Craig Reynolds to throw the ball. That's a running back, apparently, because uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both missed this game. Uh, but Goff was just very conservative, and, you know, when they were behind, as the second half got out of hand, just basically did nothing. Um, maybe Detroit can get another win, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're done for the season in that, in that end. Next up, Seattle Houston, 33-13. Look, Seattle pulled away late here. Because uh, Rashad Penny got hot, 137 yards and two touchdowns for a former first-round pick. That's nice to see. And Russell Wilson, still nowhere near the Russell Wilson we'd hope to see. But at least the connection to Tyler Lockett is working, 142 yards and touchdown. Um, but the connection with DK Metcalf isn't, so that's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, but yeah, Houston were okay early on. Davis Mills actually was very accurate early on, 333, 331 yards and a touchdown overall. But most of that was in the first quarter, in the first half. Um, but he disappeared on the stretch, zero points in the second half. And but given that he has no rush help and he has no defense, uh, zero sacks, turnover, zero turnovers or sacks for the defense, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't really blame him. You know, when you're getting out, getting in, when you're working hard, you're getting you're in the game, and then the rest of your team just collapses. Uh, it's pretty depressing overall. And uh, speaking of pathetic and collapsing and controversy, let's talk about Jacksonville, Tennessee, zero to twenty. You know, the the old donut for Jacksonville who. You know, I, I didn't consider it news that, you know, Urban Meyer is an idiot and a prat and a dickhead and bad at coaching. Uh, and apparently lots of revelations this week about all the ways he's specifically a dickhead and all those other things in terms of, like, threatening to fire other coaches because they're bad at coaching and it's their fault and players hating him <laughs> and, you know, having a controversy with James Robinson. Like, not real news. Uh, we'll talk about that when he gets fired, um, which should be this season but might not be because Shad Khan is an idiot. Uh, but look, Trevor Lawrence had his worst game, um, four interceptions. Um, they didn't rush the ball. They had seven carries for six yards after a week about controversy about getting James Robinson the ball. Um, so, yeah, uh, fire Meyer, hashtag. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, look, uh, and Tennessee were also in this game, technically, but really they were just waiting around for Jacksonville to self-immolate 
Um, they're just like waiting around. Okay, you give us a turnover. Oh, we'll get us a short touchdown or a short field goal and just tip away. Tannehill was under pressure by the defensive fair four sacks from Jacksonville. That was probably the one nice thing they had, but he had 191 yards. The rush attack was mediocre. Three yards carry, but got two touchdowns in the end. And they're just doing enough with the turnovers to kind of get this game done. Uh, but yeah, bigger test for Tennessee if I suppose technically compete for the number one seed, but more accurately just make sure the Colts don't uh, get too close as we get down the stretch. Uh, so that's a dump off for week 14. Talk to you next week. Very good. Thank you, Rowan. Uh, now, so we'll move on to previews uh, of next week's games. So uh, we start with Thursday Night Football. This is Connor's pick of the week, although he's not here to discuss it, but we'll still talk about it anyway. Uh, Kansas City at the LA Chargers. Very big divisional matchup. We've gone Casey across the board. Um Interesting uh, the way, I mean, Casey's suddenly defense first and offense struggling against a, a Chargers side, which has offensive flurries of greatness, but maybe not consistency and a defense that maybe has a few holes in it. Like, I, I want a shootout, right? Like, I think this game <laughs> could be a shootout. And You're not going to get it with the Chiefs not g- giving up, like, 10 points a game. But I want it. I want it. And, like, this is a game where COVID is actually having an impact, I believe. Uh, Chris Jones is in the COVID protocol right now. Uh, and, obviously, this is a Thursday night football, so it'll be tough for him to get back. And I think the left tackle for um, the Chargers, Rashawn Slater, is also out for this. Uh, I think... They're expecting that Allen will be back for this, or at least they're hoping to. Uh, but obviously he missed last week due to uh, COVID. But I think he's expected to play. Eckler obviously is dealing with an ankle injury, so you know some concerns there. Um, but like, look, we're picking Kansas City because we, you know, we're going. I don't think we ever expected to say this at the start of the season, but we look at all the units here and we go, the Kansas City defense has earned our trust. Now, if you're missing Chris Jones, who's probably the best uh, defender uh, on the entire defense. Tyron Matthew may be the only one who's even on the same level. Um, that's obviously a huge concern, and we saw for the first half of the season that this defense can quickly collapse to utter, utter ineptitude. Um, so you definitely have to be concerned about that there. Like, is this a Jenga piece type situation where the whole thing's going to collapse with Jones out, or if he misses the game? Um, but assuming that the defense has, isn't just a one-trick pony, um, then that's the one unit that has actually been consistent this year, uh, or has been consistent in recent weeks, at least for the last month, and the one that we're willing to put our faith in. And we're also... You know, it hasn't happened, except for against the Raiders, but it's Mahomes, it's Hill, it's Kelsey, it's a decent offensive line, the running game is going, there is still the potential that Kansas City will turn us around, they will become the offensive powerhouse that we all expect them to be, um, I feel like a, a broken record right now, but it could, it could happen, uh, but on the other hand, Chargers, they are a you know, never predict anything with the Chargers is what I would say, basically. Um, they could definitely win this game. They could definitely lose this game. I know that's not analysis, but the Chargers truly take this to the next level in terms of their ability to, you know, turn every game into an absolute clusterfuck. But look, Justin Herbert, you know, orgasmic is what I talked about with that touchdown. He has those types of plays in him. He is certainly looking like the more explosive, dynamic, exciting quarterback to watch this season compared to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, if he gets Keenan Allen back, Mike Williams is back in form, Austin Eckler, uh, if he's healthy. And they obviously got a little bit of, like, from Jalen Guyton and, and, and Josh Palmer, and they showed a little bit with Keenan Allen out. You know, this could be an offense that itself could explode into a truly dominant force down the stretch. And I think the big thing for the Chargers is that they're still getting those explosive plays. I think the Chargers are like, 
we're willing to accept a little bit of turnover to still be willing to use like the the big plays down the field and keep it going. Whereas those other teams like Kansas City and Dallas and Buffalo have kind of reined themselves in. The Chargers still seem to be willing to do that, probably helped by the fact that they have guys like Allen and Eckler who can dominate in the short field stuff and kind of keep other keep the defense um, in check. And their defense. Look, their defense is full of really talented players like Derwin James and Bosa, uh, but any game week to week, their run game, can, their run defense has been terrible at times, has been okay at other times, their pass defense has been blown up at some points, been okay. So, their defense, I have no idea how to analyze their defense. It's just one of those ones where they have talented players who could definitely make plays, but any given week, they might also just decide, no, I think we'll just let them score a bunch of points. And I think they were on before the Giants gave a streak of allowing, you know, 20 plus. I think even against the Giants, they allowed 20 plus points, so. There's a shootout in here. I want to shoot on Thursday Night Football. It could be a tense game, more AFC North-like, but hey, come on, give the people what they want. Give us the uh, fireworks that we know both these teams can. Like, this is what, like, these the quarterbacks here, the defenses with their kind of, you know, flashy, but maybe not consistent rosters. Give us something to shout about. Yeah, I mean, there is a 48-47 game in here. I just don't know if we're going to see it. I mean, I think the Chargers' defense is, is going to be interesting. It's weird. I just looked up the stat because, in my head, the Chargers have a bad defense. But they have the fourth-best pass defense statistically in the league at the moment, which feels completely crazy to me. And their run defense, as you said, is quite terrible. I mean, it's yeah, but it's an interesting... You know, but, yeah, like, you don't trust them, and it could fall apart at any moment. I, I get, yeah. yeah, I get like all those 20, things. 20... Uh, 20 like 28 points to the broncos uh, yeah, nearly 40 yeah, points yeah, to the steelers yeah. like 24 <laughs> points to the eagles like 27 points to the vikings uh, 27 points to the you know 34 points to the, you know go they, their defense For, yeah gives 40 up a lot 42 of points. points to the 42 points to the cleveland browns who don't have a functioning offense at the moment it's uh yeah it's uh it's a lot it's they're yeah <laughs> yeah they're it's interesting it's like both these defense on paper look quite good but it's actually offenses we want to see in this game and the offenses that people come to see and, and maybe they'll give us what we want. Uh, and divisional implications as well. If the Chargers win, that's a very big step towards claiming the divisional yeah. crown for them. So, yeah. yeah I like this Chargers game. team, to be fair. I like them. They, oh, I, I love the they're Chargers, dumb. but you just can't trust them. I love the Chargers, but I just can't trust them because oh, yeah. they will... They'll have a meltdown or they'll 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 charge. The Chargers got to charge, you know, and it, it's inevitable. Um, so next up we have it's that time of year Saturday night football has returned two games on Saturday first up the the COVID Bowl uh, L, uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns that is if the Cleveland Browns can actually field a team uh, myself and Connor have stayed with our, our romantic connection to the Browns we picked them to win even though they may not have a team to play whereas cold rational fizzle has gone for uh, the Vikings or not the Vikings the, the Raiders <laughs> um, uh, basically the same team <laughs> Uh, is this a situation? Am I right in saying it's a situation where if the Browns were healthy, you would pick them to win, but because they're not, you think the Raiders are basically going to win? Yes. By default. <laughs> yeah. The Raiders are a bad team. They're playing bad. Like Derek Carr, you know, had a bad game against the, the Kansas City, but he didn't have much helping him. Like the early fumble wasn't his fault. Like, um, and he just ended up getting into a bigger, bigger hole. Like Carr is a good quarterback. Cleveland don't have that. Whether Baker Mayfield manages to make it back for this, which is unlikely, or they have Case Keenum, so they have an advantage there. And then obviously you just deplete half the defense from the Cleveland Browns. I think, you know, Carr can take apart the backups effectively uh, and probably won't be under much pressure except for Miles Garrett. So just slide away from Miles Garrett uh, and you'd probably be okay and they can manage to extract a win that, yeah, I think Cleveland at full force, even given the kind of messy output they're giving, I would like to see Cleveland win, but just 
given where what they've shown us this year, given all this COVID, uh, given you know all those things, it's hard to pick Cleveland right now. So I'm just gonna yeah rationally pick Vegas, even though they're not a team I particularly like or trust either, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, but this is this is why kind of what I hope to believe because the the Raiders are not a good team. Um, they tend, they've definitely in the last few weeks kind of dropped off whatever early season form that they've had. The Browns are a mess of a team at the best of times, but I just, I, I, I feel that they're, if they can cobble together some sort of run uh, game, they'll they'll do well. I mean, the, the lack of defensive options is a bit of a problem because they don't seem to have a lot of depth on defense. So, I mean, I can certainly see why the Browns are going could struggle in this game, but I want to believe to, that they'll keep this season interesting and keep everybody watching and pull it out. Uh, also on Saturday, very big AFC matchup: uh, the New England Patriots, the dominant seven-game win, seven wins in a row. New England Patriots go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Um, the Colts, who are super hyped as being potential Super Bowl team because of their talent level, yet are only seven and six in terms of their record. So big games for both teams. Um, myself and Connor have gone for New England, um, whereas Ronan does not believe that the Empire is back and he's picked uh, the Colts. I'm, um, I'm using similar logic to you with the Rams <laughs> last because the Colts have to win this game. If they lose this game, they're in a lot of trouble just to get a wild card, never mind catching up with Tennessee. So I'm saying their backs are against the wall. They got John and Taylor. They got you know got John and Taylor. Run that boy. You know take this New England defense to the shed. You know give them a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> and that they because both these teams play quite similar football. I feel at this moment both these teams like I think you know people like New England trust Mac Jones more than Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz is more talented than Mac Jones. Uh, but both these teams want to run the ball. Both these teams love to use their defense. They love turning the ball over. They both are both disciplined defenses at the same time. So this is all about two kind of you know the immovable uh, force and and uh, yeah sorry the unstoppable force and the immovable object i think this would be a real this is one for the purists uh but one that uh, i think truly will give us a, a measure of where both these teams are uh and i think indianapolis they just needed that bit more maybe they can show up and get it done uh even though i you know if they lose it'll probably because of carson wentz but if they win it'll be because of that run game jonathan taylor is a beast and their defense has been absolutely crazy in terms of turning the ball over Something which New England have been very good at avoiding recently, but we saw early on this year that that can happen to them occasionally. Yeah, I mean, I, I will admit I'm I'm a little bit scared of the Colts. They do have the potential to play quite well, and that they do have. I mean, they have the inform running back in the league. They have a defense that has stepped up quite a lot in the, in the second half of the season and looks quite scary. The Pats, for all the the, the hype and the seven game win, there. I mean, the off the offense is not great. I'm willing to admit that the offense is kind of a grind it out, see what we can get, and hope our defense stops some kind of approach. And it, it, I mean, it works perfectly. It worked in 2001. It's working in 2021. They're they're grinding out those wins. Mac Jones is ha- handing off that ball to get things done. But you you would wonder about about if they can if they get into a situation where the Colts are scoring points in this game, can the Pats keep up? Also, I mean, if we are going to talk about defensive weaknesses, I mean, the Pats' run defense is not quite as good as their pass defense. It is it's probably not at the elite level. Taylor is playing at a very high level. It can be crazy good. I mean, the hope that I have is that Carson Wentz melt, has a meltdown in every big game he plays. He's always got the the big interception, the big error in, in all of the big games this season. He, he's going to get to a situation where it's going to be like 24-22 and it's going to be four minutes left in the fourth quarter and the Colts are going to be driving forward and it looks like they're going to take the win and he's going to do something stupid. 
Um, that's my hope. Um, the I mean, the Pat season has already exceeded my expectations. So I mean, I I I don't really know what to expect. It's kind of going to be crazy if they get to 10, 10 wins and still have three weeks left in the season uh, to go. But um, I I could certainly see why it goes either way. But I'm just kind of praying that this defense keeps up its high uh, level. This, by the way, is my pick of the week, which I, I didn't mention before. But uh, big game, big game all around. Like yeah. you've got to be interested because obviously we saw the Tampa Bay defense uh, against the Colts uh, had a lot of success and they sold out to stop uh, Carson Wentz, who was good in the first half. But eventually, as you said, the the the, the, the dam broke and his mistakes ended up being the key factor that got Tampa Bay back into this game and you know Bill Belichick I'm sure was taking notes but so interesting to see whether they choose to mix things up obviously you know Bill Belichick is the greatest defensive mind of all time in the NFL um, so uh, yeah it's going to be fascinating to see what New England choose to put out there on defense whether they choose to bulk up their run game uh, intentionally trust that they can defeat Carson Wentz and yeah turnovers I think are almost certainly to happen because both these defenses just love turning the ball over uh, the maniac uh, Darius Leonard uh, for Indianapolis he's someone that I'm sure Bell Belichick is instructing everyone like I'm sure he's got like uh, like pigskins like covered in grease giving them the guys saying don't drop that goddamn ball because if you uh, let go of the grip uh, in any like yards after the catch scenario the Indianapolis Colts are really really happy to take advantage of that so yeah I'm really I'm really excited for this game it's not you know it doesn't have the upside of say Kansas City at charge and it's been a, like a super you know pew 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 game but in terms of like a fascinating kind of playoff December January type football game this is this is really you know hard to beat stuff yeah it's going to be a good game regardless of what happens even if it's going to be a, even if it's a defensive slugfest which it could be it's still going to be a great game and they, I'm, I'm hoping for Belichick defensive wizardry um, moving on to the Sunday games, in the early window, we start with the Carolina Panthers at the Buffalo Bills. We've gone Bills across the board. The Bills really need to win this one, especially if, if the Pats are in a situation where they might drop a game, especially with having the Pats next week. They've got to get their season back on track. The Panthers' season has kind of fallen off a cliff a bit. I mean, their offense is basically non-existent now without, without CMC. Their defense, which is better earlier in the season, just gave up 29 points to the Atlanta Falcons. So for Carolina, their season is falling apart quickly, and you would hope the Bills would be able to exploit that. They still have great talent on both sides. They were they're competitive. Their problem is beating good teams. They're they're pretty good at beating up bad teams. They've had a lot of big margin wins this season. Um, so I I now rank Carolina as a bad team, and therefore I expect the Bills uh, to beat them up. Does does Needy uh, Pretty just get it done, Buffalo? Yeah, yeah, yeah just. Grind it out, grind it out. Just have Josh Allen run like a hundred times or something if that's what, what it takes. Yeah. And now, <laughs> yes. now for the least relevant game of the week, Houston at Jacksonville, the the, the toilet bowl. Uh, truly, uh, we're going for Houston because Jacksonville right now are not just bad, but are imploding in truly spectacular fashion. As alluded to in the dump off, Urban Meyer is having hit pieces released about him uh, in NFL media. Um, him threatening to fire coaches and him getting into fights with players and just obviously the earlier stuff of the season with him, you know, getting girls grinding on him. Just a truly out of his depth individual. Uh, but they are playing Houston, so they do have a chance. But Houston. Look, they're a very bad team with very, very little talent, and they're even cutting players to hit like 13 million, uh, you know, cap hits. But, you know, their coaching is very okay-ish. They're okay overall. Um, they just have no talent to do anything. Um, so I think Jacksonville are truly the toiletest of all the toilets. So we get Houston a win on the road here. Uh, next up, uh, Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Interesting game. Um, is it, uh, like... <laughs> 
Well, on paper, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not, a, not going to be an interesting game to watch because yeah. the Titans are just This kind is of an obligation game. This is a, like, we are obliged to care about this game, but I don't like it. It's, it's relevant, very playoff relevant, yes. and two like teams it. who are cap- capable of having nice moments but generally aren't performing that well at the moment. The Titans' injuries, especially Derrick Henry, has kind of killed their offense. They're trying to grind out to get to the playoffs. The Steelers are the most 8-8-1 eight eight team. They're really coming into their destiny here. We've gone for Pittsburgh across the board, mostly, I think, because Pittsburgh probably need to win this one if they are to get to 8-8-1 eight eight since they... They have like the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Browns, I think, to finish. So they're going to have to get two wins out of somewhere. And this seems like the easiest of the four games left for them to pick up a, a win. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be three quarters of the Steelers offense doing nothing and then having an explosive. Ben taking advantage of other people being tired seems to be the entire Steelers offensive game plan at the moment. And on the other side, the Titans just trying to grind it out get enough points on the board with their kind of mediocre pass offense and they still got some they got some good running even without henry they they their offensive line is such that they can kind of they do good runs they do have good running stats still but yeah it's not gonna be fun to watch it's very much a bystander game because both these teams seem to spend long periods of time just doing nothing waiting for someone else to do something and then eventually they they show up in tennessee this week they kind of just watched jacksonville just destroy themselves and just kind of okay we'll win this game i suppose and <laughs> pittsburgh you know spent three quarters just getting absolutely uh you know fucked up by talvin cook and then it's like oh wait a game uh, oh it's the minnesota vikings they can probably blow a lead that big and you know and obviously ben roldsberger isn't under pressure so like tennessee just need to if tennessee can get a decent amount of pressure on ben roldsberger then i give them a chance to at least keep this close but their offense has just been very inept Tannehill just one of the biggest disappointments this year in terms of his play. I know he's been put in a tough position with Derrick Henry missing out, uh, and obviously Julio Jones being injured, though he's back and didn't really do much in his first week back. AJ Brown's out. But even when all those guys were there, he didn't look that good. He just seems off. And the offensive line, while good in, in run, and in, in terms of running the ball, in terms of pass protection, has been very, very dodgy. And look, if TJ Watt plays, that could be a major issue for them. So I think Pittsburgh... We've at least seen in recent weeks that they can be at least explosive and interesting with the current personnel that they have. Tennessee just feel like, you know, they're waiting for the uh, playoffs and then get Derrick Henry and AJ Brown back and be a bit fun again. But yeah, uh, you know, I don't be surprised if Tennessee win this game either, to be honest, because Pittsburgh, you know, both these teams have lo- a large capacity just to disappear from games. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Next up, uh, classic NFC East matchup, Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. We've gone from Dallas across the board, largely because the Giants' offense is completely missing at this point. wasn't that great even when they had everyone healthy, but it's just completely fallen off a cliff uh, recently. They're, they're not going anywhere. Dallas haven't been great, as we talked about. Their offense has kind of dropped off a bit in the last while, but their defense is playing quite well. I would expect this to be quite a defensive battle in terms of maybe a, a good few turnovers and uh, such like, but... Ultimately, you've got to rely on Dallas having enough offensive talent to just score enough points uh, to get over the Giants. Um, it'll be very surprising if they if they don't get it um, done. Next up, then, a uh, uh, bit of a smashing, perhaps, uh, on the cards. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at the Detroit, Detroit Lions. We've gone for Cardinals across the board. Look, oh. you could not analyze this game, but it's really Arizona good, Detroit bad. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, Look, yeah, the Lions have got their win. They don't care anymore. They, they're yeah. not. They're they've got rid of that zero, and they just do not give a fuck anymore. They're, yeah, they're one, on holiday. One sixteen and one. It's a pretty beautiful uh, end. So yeah, Arizona to easily blow this game away. <laughs> Next up, Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. My pick of the week. We've gone for Philly across the board after Washington got their asses handed to them by the the kings of the uh, NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. So now they go down into the into the danger zone and they have to fight off Philly for that seventh wildcard seed which is just a bunch of rats fighting over a half rotten bread roll and yeah this is gonna be uh, a pretty interesting game in my opinion because both these teams have had their greatest success by running the same template which is run the ball well take the pressure off your quarterback and you know take advantage of the one-on-ones available to your elite receiver uh, whether that be uh, you know scary terry or Devonte smith uh, for the respective teams and i think whoever runs the ball better will win this game and i think we have more trust that Philly have been able to show that they can run the ball against a wide variety of different teams of varying skill levels where Washington have only really done it against the uh, I suppose the lesser to medium quality teams in the league so we know Philly they get uh, Jalen Hurts back most likely the Minshew Mania is put back in the box for now but we'll see if that comes back if Jalen Hurts is a poor game but I expect that they will pound the rock and um, with Miles Sanders Boston Scott and uh, even a bit of uh, maybe even a bit of um, Jordan Howard if he comes back um, or the, the the rookie if he's available as well uh, Gainwell uh, so you know it's a very easy template for Philly it's what they've used to win and their defense while not being you know the Super Bowl winning defense is a very uh, very okay defense it's, it's had games where it's actually shown up and done some things uh, but has been a liability at times on the other hand Washington look there we don't know who's gonna be playing a quarterback at the moment that's a, a little bit of a concern and like Taylor Heineke um, his success in recent weeks has been mostly well has been certainly premised to a large extent on him being you know being able to get out of the pocket and running the ball a bit more and if he's dealing with an injury um, if he does ma- even manage to play in this game then obviously he's going to be slowed down and in that case he could very much be a sitting duck and then you know the alternative is that you're going to be running like your third string quarterback who um, I don't know how depressing that's going to be but probably very depressing uh, so I think for this team, you know, it just feels like the, this has got the wrong game at the wrong time. Philly are coming off their uh, bye, I believe. They're going to be healthy, ready to go, and they, they can, you know, take control. Well, not take control, but they can overtake Washington as the wildcard representative from the NFC East. So, yeah, I think it should be a fun, an interesting game, a dumb game. Neither of these teams are high quality, but uh, I'm interested to see where this goes because this wildcard, like someone's got to get the wildcard. I'd like, to, I'd probably prefer to see Philly get it because at least they have a, they have some things that they do really well, even if the rest of the team is, you know, only okay. Yeah, they're exciting. They're, they're exciting to watch the Eagles, which you can't say about Washington and you can't say about the Minnesota Vikings and you certainly can't say it about the Atlanta Falcons. So definitely if I had to pick one of those four teams to end up in the playoffs, it would be the the Eagles. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's consistency that the Eagles' problem. They were getting together there. I mean, their last game before the bye, I think, was that kind of embarrassing loss to the Giants where they just their offense didn't get going at all. But before that, they were on a bit of a streak. They had two or three wins in a row. So that they, they know how to get it done. Washington just haven't convinced at any point this season even though their defense is improving slightly from earlier, it's still not quite the level they've had. And I mean, yeah, their their quarterback situation is a mess. Even if Heineke plays, he's terrible. Or not terrible, he's just error-prone and likely to blow things up. Um, and yeah, so I, I just out of, you know, 
the way we want the season to go, I, th I think the Eagles are the right call here. Next up then, going over to the AFC East, uh, New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. We've all from Dolphins across the board. Dolphins are in great vein of form at the moment. I think five in a row they've won, or maybe six in a row now. They're, they've got it together. Their defense is clicking back to the level it was last year. Their offense even is beginning to to work out how to make the two a thing work and, and how, to, how to maximize what they've got. Whereas the Jets are, well, I mean, I, I love watching the Jets because I want to root for them because they are they try so hard and they really want to impress Robert Salah and they're really fighting for every point that they get. But they're a really terrible team. They have no talent on either side of the ball. Zach Wilson is, is just, yeah, it, it may be a season or two before we see, if we ever see, the potential from him. Their defense tries very hard, but it just just liable to give up 30 points or more in every game. So I just can't see the Jets stopping the Dolphins. Uh, in any kind of way here, this should be a comfortable win for them. Moving now to the late window, big AFC kind of wild card um, teams fighting in the hunt. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the Denver Broncos. Connor and Ronan have gone for the Bengals. I have sadly in my reached into my heart and decided that I can't trust the Bengals anymore, and I have to give my vote to the really boring but somehow uh, efficient uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, like the Broncos need to like, just look at what Philly's doing. Just run the goddamn ball. You got Melvin Gordon. You got Javante Williams. Like they both break the they break tackles. They work well. Just take the pressure off Teddy Bridgewater. Like look, like and you like, rely on your defense, which is very good at stopping the pass. I think if Cincinnati are going to win this game, they need to get Joe Mixon back in form. Um, hopefully he's back uh, more healthy uh, this week uh, and kind of run it down the throats of Denver. So this is a game where I think both teams will be best served by making this a bit of a grind fest and you know taking the pressure off their quarterback. But I think the difference is if that game does happen Cincinnati of Joe Burrow Denver of Teddy Bridgewater uh, and if both their defenses play up to the level that we know they can um, then I trust Burrow can at least unlock that defense on the other side a little bit more than Teddy Bridgewater and I think Denver if they get behind at all they're in way more trouble as well um, so it's a very close game to call but I just think there's more scenarios there if Cincinnati get into them they can like take advantage of them and win uh, and there's more where if they get into a hole they can still come back whereas Denver they need to get ahead they need to get close close or get ahead early otherwise they get into a lot of trouble so yeah i think cincinnati hard to trust but denver look they've had some games where they've really impressed by running the running the rock and being kind of like that that team but too often when the chips are down and they play a team with a bit of quality to them um they've collapsed in themselves and, and really been shown to be pretenders so i'm willing to give cincinnati a little bit of rope here and see if they can get it done uh, on sunday yeah, I am not willing to give them any more rope. I, I have trusted this team for too long and they keep losing games that I think they should win. And the Broncos really are a team that should not be anywhere near the playoffs in terms of the conversation. But they, yeah, they seem to be. And I agree with you. The Javante Williams, I'm really impressed with him and they really just stick to him more, but they haven't figured that bit out yet. But I just, I just have this feeling they're going to grind them down. This is going to be one of those late window Denver Broncos grind down a, a middling a good team like they did to the Chargers and they come away with the win and we're all very sad about the death of football um, yeah. as a result. A couple of uh, uh, less relevant late window games. Seahawks at Rams. Like look, I'm a Seahawks fan maybe the Seahawks can prove they had something but what I've seen on, on the actual field has not been that impressive um, either again, like winning against Houston or San Francisco where San Francisco really beat themselves to a large extent uh, similar to how Denver um, kind of beat Cowboys uh, or like the Vegas Raiders beat the Cowboys the other team beat themselves uh, so look the Seahawks 
Russell Wilson's getting better. He's finding Tyler Lockett. The defense has been solid, um, although it did you know allow Davis Mills to be quite good early on in the post Jamal Adams because he's out for the season. Um, so look, the Seahawks could do this, but look, the Rams are a better team. They're coming off the performance of the season. Uh, they're a much higher quality team, um, so the Rams have to be the favorite here. Uh, and then next up, Atlanta at San Francisco. The uh, this week's. Uh, you know, technically relevant bowl in the sense that San Francisco, look, you've earned our trust just about now. We think that you're going to make the playoffs. You know, you're a dark horse even maybe perhaps to, you know, put it up to some of the elite teams in the NFC to, to, to prove that to us. Please defeat the terrible Falcons who have Cordell Patterson and literally nothing else. Uh, do not fuck this up, even though you are prone to fucking this up. Throw the ball to George Kittle, run the ball with Elijah Mitchell if he's back, and your defense, just get pressure on Matt Ryan and expose the fact that he's a decent quarterback when a clean pocket otherwise, you know, is nowhere near his MVP type season. Just get it done, San Francisco. Uh, don't make us talk about the Falcons anymore this season. <laughs> Uh, next up then, a very interesting game in terms of two good teams, Green Bay Packers at Baltimore Ravens. We've gone for Packers across the board. Wrong game at the wrong time for Baltimore. Obviously, Lamar's dealing with an injury. They've been dealing with injuries all season. They look depleted. They look out of sorts. They look, you know, kind of in disarray. And they're coming up as a Green Bay team, which is looking pretty goddamn imperious. Aaron Rodgers, toe, the center of all of his vengeance and anger, just grows with every week and becomes more and more infected with his hate. But his hate is truly powerful. And he is smiting teams back, forth, and everywhere else he can find. Um, his relationship with Devontae Adams is spiking up to its kind of traditional absolute unstoppability they have Aaron Jones who you know had nearly had like had a really good performance and very limited touches AJ Dillon grinds the ball out you know their defense has been very good and I think J.R. Alexander might be even back at the end of the season so look everything says Green Bay will beat Baltimore the only thing that says they won't is because Baltimore win games they shouldn't uh, but based on actual analysis it should be an easy Green Bay win even on the road yeah, I mean the Packers are just playing so well right now. You'd expect them to get it done, but yeah, you never, you never can trust the Ravens or count them out. Sunday night football, big a- NFC South matchup, the the big rivalry there. Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've gone for Tampa Bay across the board, largely I think because of the the level of form that they're in. Their offense is firing on Hall cylinders at the moment. Tom is looking incredibly talented. Um, and their defense, run defense, is still one of the best in the league. Their pass defense less good, but there's a lot going on there to like. Whereas the Saints, there's just less to like about them. Their quarterback situation is a mess. They, they're just they're very. There's a very middling team. I feel that they're they're a middling team that's coached well and they're in a transition season. And even though they do occasionally have the books number, I just I just I just think the books just have enough in them generally the way they're playing to get through this one. Yeah, if they're going to win this game, they're going to need Alvin Kamara to do even more Alvin Kamara bullshit than he usually does. And the Tampa Bay defense is going to be very keyed in on Alvin Kamara, I imagine. I imagine Levante David and Devin White will basically just have their eyes on Alvin Kamara at all times. And then look if Taysom Hill gets the occasional like 10-yard run grand because eventually he's going to turn the ball over on a fumble or a, a terrible throw because he doesn't have a fully functioning hand. Kind of an issue for a quarterback, you would think. But yeah, New Orleans is just very... Uh, like their defense is pretty solid like they have Alec Kamara they have you know uh, so they're not completely inept on offense but Tampa Bay are looking like they're rounding into form again they're looking like the team that won the Super Bowl so even given the history between these two teams where New Orleans have overperformed at the point where they are right now you just can't pick against Tampa Bay in this game uh, yeah and finally Monday Night Football 
Uh, Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Connor and Ronan have gone for Minnesota. I've gone for Chicago. Not because I hate the Vikings. I, I want the Vikings fan to realize that <laughs> even though I hate the Vikings, I, I still won't them. pick against them. I still won't pick against them against Spite. But I actually like the Bears I, where they're going at the moment. That, that first half against the Packers was actually quite impressive. They got quite lucky in terms of the things that happened. They were the kind of kind of you know, uh, kind of plays that don't happen very often. But they were, they were definitely playing quite well in that first half against a team that is in good form. It fell away in the second half, obviously. But I, I see there's a there's a kernel that the Bears are slowly building around. It's probably Matt Nagy won't be around by the time it's finished, but I, I do like where they're going. Whereas the Vikings, I, I kind of feel that they, they're they a confidence team, right? They When they're on high, they play very well and accumulate lots of points, but can all fall apart very quickly. And if the Bears get at this Vikings team, I think they can maybe squeak out a win. And also it does good because it might take the Vikings away from the playoff spots. Um, so it, it's a rational, completely non-biased pick that I'm going for the Chicago Bears uh, to win uh, this one. Um, so that's uh, week 15. A couple of interesting games, uh, a lot of playoff uh, implications. And so that's it for this week. Uh, any plans for the weekend, Ronan? Yeah, not too much. As I said, I'm heading off to Cavan. So once that's happening, ensconced in the there's a recliner in the living room that I basically spend most of my time <laughs> in. And uh, I think the, like actually, I just the breaking news there that the the the, the, the 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 NFL might be choosing to tighten things up a bit with the protocols, more masks and stuff like that. But given where things are, I don't know how much help that yes. would be. That's mostly more masks. That's 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 what we need. More that'll solve this problem. Yes, more masks. But yeah, uh, uh. back at home, more TV, more sports. Uh, you know, more sweets. My mother loves buying sweets. Uh, so, yeah, should be uh, a pretty relaxed time overall, but not much happening uh, in actual anything interesting to say. To it. Yeah, you got you got to love Christmas. It, it it does have that kind of eating lots of sweets and just chilling out kind of stuff to it that I like. Um, yeah, not much going on here. I think just the the, the kind of pre Christmas lull. Just trying to like the Tennessee Viking uh, Tennessee Titans. I'm just trying to get uh, to January, uh, and um, so yeah, kind of just chilling out. Uh, so that's it for this week uh, of all four quarters. It's bye from Ronan. Bye. And it's bye from me. Goodbye. We'll chat you next week.